Well, again, welcome to Life Church. I am so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Noel Miller, and my husband and two boys, we are missionaries to France. And in our relationship with Life Church, man, we have been in relationship with you guys for years. We came on staff here a few years ago, and then we transitioned to full time missions. And, and I can just say, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for Life Church. We honestly, we wouldn't be who we are today without the generosity, care, love, and concern of Pastor and Tammy and the staff and, and quite honestly, the people that call Life Church home. We are so honored uh, to be partnering with you in this journey and so grateful uh, to be here today. And, and on such a huge, enormous, historical, monumental day, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all that are watching. You know, if you're like me and uh, you're a newish mom, I'm a young mom in this. My two sons are six and nine. And, and I don't know if you can relate, but at the end of the day, when I shut the door and, and they're resting in their rooms, they're sleeping in their rooms. And, and I think to myself, I did it. I made it. Like, I am alive. My children are alive. We did it. Like, I, I made it through the day, the day of motherhood. Or, or maybe I get to the end of the day and I think, I, nope, I didn't make it. There is no way I made it through that day. I don't know if I am human or if I've even spoken to a human today, an adult today, right? Happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to the seasoned mothers among us, right? The moms and the grandmoms. Can you just do us a favor and continue writing books, please? Tutorial videos, Teach us how to get through this, please, because we need you. Happy Mother's Day to you and happy Mother's Day to the single mothers out there. You are the true superheroes among us. I mean, you are the champions. Happy Mother's Day to you. And, and I know that on a day like today, it can, it can hold a variety of emotions. And so I have been thinking and praying for the moms who maybe you've lost a child. And this day um, is quite heavy for you. Uh, I've been thinking and praying for you and I know, and I know and believe that God sees you right where you're at. I believe that he is sitting with you uh, today and I am carrying you in my heart or, or maybe you're like me. I lost my mom 14 years ago and today has this weird vibe to it. It's, it's this tension of celebrating an awesome day but also holding the grief of losing a mother. And, and I want you to know if you're like me, I, I'm sitting with you in that and praying for you as well. And I know that along my journey in that 14 years, God has blessed me. He has blessed me with an amazing mother-in-law, stepmom and grandmothers and aunts who have really stepped in and filled that void, if you will, in my life. And I'm so grateful for it. Even the women who, who I'm not related to, but have chosen to see me and step in that space. You know, I believe that there are women all over the place who are stepping in to motherhood, to step in, to stand in. Maybe it, it it's for the children of our communities or, or maybe it's like grown women like myself and, and you're choosing to step into that. 
you know, however motherhood has found us, I believe that women are strong and we are powerful. So happy Mother's Day to us. I believe that we are meant to be celebrated and I am excited to do that with you today. Well, before we continue in our time together, I just want to take a second and pray over uh, this space and pray over our time. Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, I pray that you would meet us right where we are. You have brought us together uh, in this space. And Lord, I pray that, that you would be with us, that you would lift the head of the weary today, God, that you would surround us as we learn more about you, Lord. May we leave this time together, this sacred time together changed. May we leave this time together with a, with a better vision and understanding of, of who you are, Jesus, and who you are to us. It's in your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for me, one of the women in my life who, who really have been there from the jump, from the very beginning, she has influenced and seasoned every part of my life, from motherhood to, to my walk with Christ to, to even cooking. I mean, she is a part of every aspect of my life, and that is my mama. Now, I am from South Atlanta, and we call our grandmothers mamas, okay? And she is amazing. I love every part about this woman. And she is equal part sassy and equal part sweet, okay? Like she's the full package. And we have such an awesome relationship. I love spending time with my mama. And one of the places that like collectively as grandchildren, some of our favorite memories are found in my mama's garden. Now, we have had so much fun over the years in her garden at the end of the season. And now, now her garden, it's huge and it has huge fig trees and it has what I, as a kid would think these corn stalks were just going to reach the heavens, right? Like beans and tomatoes and zucchini and beets and I mean, just all of it, tomatoes. She was the daughter of a tomato farmer and so she can rock some tomato plants. And at the end of the season when the tomatoes would be falling off of these plants, we would get to go with her in the garden and have tomato wars. And we would just be pelting each other with tomatoes. Now, like I said, she's equal part sassy, okay? And she can throw a tomato, I'm just here to tell you. So we had so much fun, but one of my favorite memories um, in her garden was one day she had asked the grandkids to go outside and play and, and she had left me in charge because I was the oldest and quite frankly, the favorite. And so, you know, this is still a topic of discussion like at Christmas with my adult cousins. I'm like, guys, come on, I'm the favorite. This has kind of been settled already, right? Like we can move on. But one of my favorite memories is we go out there and I assemble this game. Now, my grandmother's garden, it was luscious and huge and awesome, and it had these, these rows, these perfectly lined out rows, and there was just a little space in between for you to be able to, you know, tend to, to whatever. And so I line everybody up and I say, okay, here's the game. We're going to see how many rows we can jump without stopping. And so we send, of course, the youngest through first, and they're jumping, and, and we're going through, and, and now granted, we're stepping on things and, and we're knocking things over and, you know, just some casual destruction happening here. And so it's my turn and I get to the rows and, and I begin to jump. And as I'm like midair in the jump, we hear this bellowing voice coming 
from the kitchen window. And my mama is giving it to us. I mean, now she's like, where I come from, it's called like a talking to. Like she is going to town. And she's like, Andrew, Savannah, Daniel, Haley, get out of my garden. And she just starts going off about how hard work happens in the garden. And she is just, she has worked her tail off. And she is just, if you don't, if you can't get right, you're going to get in that garden with me. I mean, go into town. And as soon as her, what felt like an hour, if I'm being honest, I mean, it was like, it was serious. All of my cousins collectively shift their focus to me. And they're like, why didn't she say your name? Why didn't you get in trouble? Why were you not in that lecture anywhere? And I said to my cousins, guys, we've all learned really valuable lessons today. One of which is that when you're the favorite, you, you don't get in trouble. You see, Mama, she, she can't find any fault in me. And, and I'm sorry that, that she found the fault in you, but I'm sorry, you know. But one collective lesson that we all learned that day and we have learned through the life of my grandmother is that gardening, farming is hard work. You see, you don't plant a garden and walk away. You don't plant a flower bed or even a flower pot or even a succulent, as I'm learning. They still require attention. I have killed a succulent. I am afraid to say it, right? You do not plant a garden and walk away. It is hard work. It is commitment. And our grandmother taught us that that day. And you see, what I find interesting is our story of humanity Our origin story, if you will, began in a garden. You see in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve there in the garden, they're walking with God and and then they fall and then they're kicked out of the garden and, and their garden story ends there, but ours continues with the life of Jesus. You see Jesus continue our redemption to the garden story and, and it actually starts in the garden of Gethsemane. His walk to the cross begins in a garden. His garden of agony was was our garden of redemption. It was the start of our redemption story. And we know that that it starts there. And after that, he goes on to the cross and and he dies on the cross for us and all of humanity. And and he's buried. And we know that three days later, he rises from the dead. And and that's what we're going to pick up the story today is that we find Mary at the garden tomb and she's searching for the body of Jesus. She's looking everywhere. The Bible says she's having a conversation with two angels. Where is Jesus and and where is his body? And that's where we pick it up in John chapter 20, verses 14, it says this. And after she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? And who are you looking for? She Thinking that he was the gardener said, Mr. if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. And Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabbi, meaning teacher. She, thinking he was the gardener. You see, I think that Mary's only mistake in that moment was assuming, was leaning into the assuming, uh, the posture that he was the gardener of that place when in actuality and reality, he was and he is the gardener of her soul. He was and he is the gardener of our soul. You see, my grandmother has taught me many lessons and this past fall, uh, we lost her partner in crime, uh, my grandfather of 64 years. 
the one that she would tend the garden with. And, and this spring, as it was time to plant her garden, we watched as my grandmother made the decision to go and plant her garden again to decide to go and to do this. And we know you can't plant a garden, right, and walk away. And so every day, whether it is a good day or a bad day for Mama, or it's a strong day or a weak day, she gets up and she goes down to the garden. And I believe it is a metaphorical picture of her relationship with Jesus. You see, I believe that every time she goes into that garden, she is like Mary and she is saying, Jesus is the gardener of my soul. And every Every day we have an opportunity to accept the invitation, to accept an invitation for Jesus to be the gardener of our soul. It's not just the, the one shot opportunity, right? When we were 17 at a summer camp and, and we said yes to Jesus, but rather it's a daily invitation, a daily invitation to allow him to be the gardener of our souls. You see Mary in that moment in the garden, Jesus calls her name and and she turns and she looks at him and she calls him teacher. And what I find so amazing about that moment is the word teacher is not just what it seems on the surface, right? There's so many words in the Bible that, that they're not what they seem on the surface. And, and this particular word means demonstrating teacher. She turns to him and she calls him demonstrating teacher, like street cred teacher, like you, you, you walk out what you preach teacher, right? We recently put our son in MMA, our youngest son, in mixed martial arts. And uh, yeah, we need a lot of prayer. I was not anticipating uh, him being good at this, but he is, and I'm, I'm scared, so pray for us, right? But one thing that I love about his MMA gym is that his MMA coach is actually a professional MMA fighter. And a few weeks ago, Ezra had the opportunity to watch his coach on TV. He watched him fight on TV. It was like a Friday or a Saturday. And that following Monday, we returned to the gym for training and in walks Coach Manny, in walks his MMA coach. And he gets into the ring with the boys and girls and they are locked in. They, like you can tell the kids that watch the fight, I mean, they are locked in. And he begins to teach and train these kids. And what's so interesting is, is the coach actually lost the fight. It wasn't a very good fight, but you know, huh, oh well, right? Like he lost the fight and he begins to talk to the kids and he says, guys, you never lose a fight. You never lose a fight. You only learn. You only learn. And, and these kids are soaking in this information because Coach Manny, he's walking out what he's preaching. He is, te he is a demonstrating teacher. He is saying, I fought in a fight this weekend and I am here telling you, you can't lose. You can only learn. And they are, you learn different, right? When you learn from a demonstrating teacher, you learn different when you are taught by somebody who walks it out. And in this moment, Mary is saying, demonstrating teacher, gardener of my soul. Jesus gives us this daily invitation to learn these truths from him as the gardener of our soul. I believe that one truth that he speaks over us as he teaches us is the power of the garden versus the temptation of the greenhouse. The power of the garden versus the temptation of the greenhouse. Wendell Berry is this author and he wrote a book called The Last Turn of the Crank. And in it, he talks about how in the early 1900s, about one third of the US population were farmers. 
So about one third of the U.S. population believed in the unpredictable mercies of God, whether in drought or famine or in feast or in abundance, they believed in the unpredictable mercies of God. And it was around the 50s or 60s that things began to shift and change. It was in that time that the consumer wanted more. They wanted more predictability. They wanted more control, if you will. And so gardeners or farmers, they actually began to leave the industry. He said around half a million farmers a year were leaving the industry because they were inventing machinery, machinery that would kind of produce a, a greenhouse, if you will. You, you know, like how in a greenhouse you You've got the rows of plants and, and there's no wind and there's no rain and it's all a controlled environment. And there may be multiple different kinds of plants, but they're all in this perfectly rowed pots that they can grow in and, and there's control. There's quite frankly, there's predictability, right? But these, these farmers were leaving the industry because of this. And I believe that, that God, as, as humans, human nature in us, we fall sometimes to the temptation of the greenhouse. We get drawn away by the temptation of the greenhouse, the, the control, the, the, the perfect climate. We don't want to go through the wind and the rain and the hard times. And, and yeah, you know, what's interesting is that, that plants will only grow as, as big as the pots that they're put in right? They'll only grow as big as the control that they find themselves in. And as, as human nature within us, we're like, I, I know I could maybe do more or be greater or, or do more, but I, I just, man, I, the temptation of the greenhouse is that I could have it all in order here. And Jesus, our great gardener, is beckoning us. He is calling us. He is, he is inviting us to the power of the garden, the power of this chaos, this sacred overlap, to be with him in the garden. I recently watched a documentary. I um, am trying to soak in all of these documentaries that I can about France, which is where we're moving to next. And in this particular one, there was a, a man who works a vineyard and he was describing this special kind of wine that he produces. And he said it all began in the soil that these particular vineyards and vines, they grow in really tough soil, that they don't really take out the rocks and, and quite frankly, whatever mother nature gives them is, is what they take, right? So in those droughts and in those hard times, he said that the root of these vines, they grow deeper, they get stronger and, and they begin to navigate in the soil to find the source of water that's already there, that's already there. See, I believe that there is power in the wind and there is power in our droughts and there is power in the rain, in the feast and in the famine because we have this invitation from our gardener that in our wind and in our trials and in the rain, we have an invitation to grow deeper with him, to find the source that's in the soil. And not only do we have that invitation to grow deeper with him and that in the power of the garden, this winemaker goes on to say that the grapes that are produced from this vineyard, they're sweeter. They're the sweetest grapes and produce the best wine. You see, in that struggle and in our hardships, when we are digging deeper to find our source, we end up producing better. We're not limited by the control that we put ourselves in. 
There is power in the garden and our great gardener is inviting us into that, inviting us to step away from the temptation of the greenhouse, but come and, and to be in the garden with him. You say, I also believe that there is power in vision versus the temptation of appearance. There is power in vision versus the temptation of appearance. You see, Jesus called Mary by name and she, she turned around and when she did, she had this revelation moment. She had this moment where it shifted from the appearance of him as just the gardener of that place to, the, to, the, to Jesus, to, to her teacher, to her demonstrating teacher. It, it shifted for her. No longer was it about the appearance of, but it was actually about the actuality of the moment. You see, we were, um, when the pandemic hit, we were in Brussels. That's where we were living. And, and in Brussels, it was, uh, it was difficult. It was uh, really strong um, lockdown and you couldn't drive anywhere. You could only go as far as you could walk. And to be quite honest, we were in a small apartment with two boys. We walked a lot. We, uh, we got out and we walked. And so we discovered that there were these trails all around our apartment. And so my boys, being 110% boys, um, wanted to sword fight all along the trail. Again, please pray for me, okay? Like they're wanting to sword fight the whole way down this trail. And so we made a rule at the beginning, like, okay, guys, you can only fight with dead limbs. Like you can only fight with like dead stuff, right? Like dead trees. Like you can't fight with like ripping things out of the ground, right? So we're going and we're not even five minutes into this walk. And I look up and my two sons are hanging off of this tree, ripping this branch off of this tree. And I'm like, no, 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 guys, what are you doing? They have it ripped off and they come running back and they're like, look at this sword, you know, like they're just so proud. And I'm like, guys, we gave you the rule. You can't take down something that's alive. And now to their credit, it was February and things hadn't really bloomed yet or hadn't even really budded. And so they're like, mom, no, look at it. It's, it's dead. It, it doesn't have any leaves on it. it. It just, it looks dead. And I'm like, oh no, guys, like it appears to be dead, but in actuality, come a little bit closer and let me show you inside this branch that you've ripped off the tree. It's actually green and, and full of life. What may appear to be dead is, is actually very much alive. And I believe that our gardener is inviting us in, beckoning us in to not be distracted by the appearance of, but rather lean into the vision that he has given us. He is inviting us not to be tempted by the appearance appearance of a broken relationship or a marriage that may feel dead or, or struggles you're having at work or, or in any situation, he's saying, no, 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 don't lean into the appearance of, but rather grab a hold of the vision that I have for you. In Luke, uh, Luke chapter seven, verses 11 says this, not long after that, Jesus went to the village of Nan. His disciples were with him along with quite a large crowd. As they approached the village gate, they met a funeral procession. A woman's only son was being carried out for burial, and the mother was a widow. When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. He said to her, don't cry. Then he went over and touched the coffin. The pallbearer stopped, and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead son sat up and began talking, and Jesus presented him to his mother. Jesus said, get up, son. 
get up, son. I'm, I'm going to give you back to your mother. See, I believe that Jesus, our great gardener, full of compassion, full of love and mercy and grace, is walking our weary roads. He is walking our broken roads. And he's saying, don't fall into the temptation of the appearance of, but rather let me get involved in the vision. I believe that God is wanting to bless the very thing that we are carrying out to bury. I believe that God wants to look into our situations and speak life over them and present them back to us. No, son, no, daughter. This is the way I see it. This is what's really alive and well, and let me present it back to you. Your broken dreams of a family, your broken dreams of, of a business, let me give it back to you. He's wanting to bless the very thing that we are trying to bury. See, in this moment, Mary called by Jesus and, and I can just imagine she hears her name and full of faith, full of courage, she turns and she looks at Jesus. She turns and looks full into his face and says, teacher, demonstrating teacher. You see, I believe before us there is a daily, a daily invitation, not, not to find God, but rather turn to God. Not to find God, but turn and look full in his wonderful face and welcome the invitation and welcome the daily invitation for Jesus to be our great gardener, the carrier of our soul, the tender, the caretaker of our life. That's what lies before us today. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much, God. God, I thank you that you give us the opportunity every day, God. Your mercies are new for us every morning, and we have the opportunity before us to accept the invitation of not to find you, you're already here, but rather look full into your wonderful face and welcome your truth and your guidance into our life. Give us the courage and the bravery to look to you, Jesus, to look to you to guide us and to lead us and to care for our lives. God of mercy and compassion, would we trust you today? It's in your mighty name I pray, amen, amen.